Hey guys, uh, my name is Thad Roller. I'm a missionary here in the country of Colombia in South America, um, just outside of Bogota, the capital city, and I'm so happy to be able to share with you today all the way to Central College in Kansas. I know that we're in some pretty weird times, and I suspect that as you're watching this, you're probably getting it on your cell phone or beamed to your computer or whatever instead of in chapel with others. I know that things are different, that not as we expected, but I have a message of encouragement, a message of what I hope would be a challenge that would spur you on as it's been an encouragement to, and has spurred me on. So before I jump in there, uh, let me just tell you a little bit about who we are and what we're doing. So um, I have a wife, Nikki, and two daughters, 10 and seven. Their names are Lily and Evie, and we're, like I said, outside of the capital city of Bogota. Been here since December, uh, which isn't that long, if you can imagine. Uh, we got here, got settled, and just about as we got into our house and got our furniture squared away and started meeting people, coronavirus hit. So most of our time in country has been spent in quarantine, and um, it's pretty intense here. Uh, they've got the country locked down. In fact, uh, uh, our girls, like just to give you an idea, our two daughters are only able to leave the house one hour, three times per week uh, to go on a walk around the neighborhood. And so like they really haven't been out in six months kind of thing. And uh, so you're going through some unique and strange and unprecedented things in your own life. And uh, it's it's a reality that way around the world. Um, but we are here, we are excited about what God is doing. It's not like we imagined, but uh, in some ways it's certainly different and in some ways it's it's more than what we would have imagined. So I'll just tell you this, um, we're part of the Free Methodist Church, which is also the family of uh, faith that Central connects to very directly. And uh, I was a pastor for several years in the States, but the Lord had put on our heart several years ago, um, my wife and my own heart, that we needed to be serving the Lord in overseas ministry. We've sort of always sensed that, but we realized that the timing was right and the Lord was um, urging us to look at that very seriously. And so we started this wonderful process of getting ready to come here. And we have the privilege now, it's over Zoom, it's over virtual means and, and internet, but, uh, but we have this incredible privilege to be able to pour into church planting efforts. That's really our main thing. So I get to help train uh, and support church planters from um, Costa Rica and Colombia and uh, Chile are three countries that I'm working with very specifically. And what a joy it's been. We're also getting to support and just have hands-on ministry with planting a church here in our very own region, which is, which is an awesome thing. In fact, I wanna tell you, Two things about that. The Lord called me to church planting when I was your age. I was 19. I was studying at Spring Arbor University, one of your sister schools, uh, when the Lord just laid on my heart to take this massive step of faith and plant a church. I had no idea what that would look like, how to even start or go about it. But I knew that um, I wanted to say yes to him. And that's kind of what I'm going to talk to you about in just a minute. Um, but I want to tell you two things about us that you might be interested in. So obviously you can follow us on Facebook, look us up on Rollers Columbia at Rollers Columbia. Uh, love to connect with you that way. But we also have some ways that we're trying to figure out how the U.S. church, 
can actively engage with what we're doing. And, and I say these two because I think you might be interested. First of all, we have like a weekly and a monthly prayer call. The weekly is 30 minutes. The, the prayer call uh, monthly is like an hour. And you would be so welcome uh, to engage with us. So uh, shoot me an email at thadroller at gmail.com and I can get you more information. But here's the other thing you should know. One of the strategies we're using to plant our church is uh, at least to meet people locally because we can't go out. We can't, you know, uh, do many conventional things. We're doing online English classes. And these are awesome. It's been so fun. There's such a hunger to be able to learn from native English speakers. So we're meeting our neighbors. We're meeting people in nearby uh, towns and villages and areas in the city um, by online English classes. And we're actually looking for some Christ-loving, people-loving people from the States who would be a part of our team. So if you're interested in learning more about this and maybe being a part of teaching English like to folks uh, who we're actively reaching out to, I'd love to talk to you about that. And again, just shoot me an email or contact me through Facebook or something. But with that aside, um, pray for us, and I'm going to be praying for you too. In fact, let me pray for you right now. Jesus these next few moments, as I share a message that's close to my heart, a message that you've uh, spoken to me through, uh, a message that I've been doing my best to live by um, since 19 when you called me, Lord, I just pray that this would be a message that would encourage uh, the students, Lord, that are listening today, whether it's a freshman who's just coming in and, and never imagined that her first year would start out as it is in college, or, or it's a senior who's wondering about graduation and how long this uh, is going to last and, and what this last year is going to be like, or, or whoever they are, Lord, I just pray that you would speak a fresh, encouraging, inspiring word through your word and my lips today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I want to share with you about Moses uh, a few minutes and uh, I mean, I'm a fan of Moses. You probably are too. What an inspiring, incredible person. His story is absolutely central to the whole narrative, right, of the, of the biblical story. Uh, but the interesting thing is I've been reflecting on the fact that Moses' life wasn't always so spectacular, so sensational. In fact, if you remember, um, the day that he was, that his, his life took this sharp turn towards significance was a day when he encountered God through this burning bush, right? He never expected, I'm sure, when he woke up that day to have this happen to him. And he, he goes over to investigate the bush is burning, but it's not, uh, it's not being consumed and God speaks to him. And, and, um, and what's really interesting in this is Moses' response to God. In fact, I'm going to tell you his response, but I want to say, I'm going to just briefly look at four moments in Moses' life where he chooses Uh, the path of significance, a path of significance even in the face of all kind of unexpected and unforeseen circumstances like you and I might be facing today. So Moses responds in the kind of way I think we can pattern our lives after. And this is a day when he never expected to uh, to see this burning bush, to hear God's voice, but God speaks to him. And I love the simplicity of what God says. God just repeats his name two times, Moses. Moses and here's Moses' response in Exodus 3 4. If you want to look it up, these three powerful, profound words that 
absolutely shaped the trajectory of his life. He says, here am I. Here am I. Just say that right where you are. Right now, I don't care if you're in your dorm room or if you're in the dining commons, wherever you are, just say, here am I, Lord. Here am I. What an incredible uh, beginning. What an incredible response. Because, like, let's be honest, Moses could have done any other uh, hundreds of other things. He could have run away, could have plugged his ears, could have been like, whoa, I'm not even trying to hear that right now, God. Uh, uh, he, he doesn't freak out. He doesn't hide. He doesn't, um, he, he listens. And he doesn't just listen. He responds with, here am I. It, it's, sort of, it's sort of like this courageous availability to the purposes of God. Now, and you got to understand, Moses doesn't know what God's going to ask him. He, the, the fine print has not been spelled out. God has not gone and listed out the details of what is coming. Moses has no idea what's going to happen next, but he says, here am I, or here I am, in, in some of the, the older uh, translations, right? And I've, I've been thinking about these three words, and I've realized that Moses is not the only biblical hero to utter them. In fact, let me just throw a couple at you. We see Abraham in Genesis 22. We see Rebecca. We see Jacob in Genesis 31. We see Samuel three times in 1 Samuel chapter 3. We see Isaiah famously in Isaiah 6, 8 saying, Here am I, send me, Lord. We see Mary, who doesn't say it verbatim, but in Luke 1, 38, she says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be done to me as your word have said. And all of these people in they, they encounter an unexpected turn of events, an unexpected opportunity of God in which God reveals his purposes to them through a burning bush or an angel or a dream or a voice that they don't quite recognize. But whatever it is, however it happens in their life, when they encounter this, this uh, opportunity of the purposes of God, they respond with, here I am. This courageous availability to what God wants to do in their lives. And I want to just ask you this question. How do you respond when God brings unexpected things your way? How do you respond? Do you, I mean, it's so easy to just kind of like flip out, freak out. You know, this is not what I was planning on. What are you doing? What's going on here? Or, or, or to say, just plug our ears. Like, I don't, I, I don't want to hear that right now, God. Sometimes the unexpected thing comes in the form of God calling us to something new. Sometimes the unexpected thing comes in the, in the shape or in the form of something we never dreamt of, like this whole pandemic that has just changed the course of 2020. And we have no idea uh, how this story will, um, will continue to write itself, to play itself out. We, we don't know what's ahead, but, but I want to ask you, are you responding with courageous availability to the purposes of God. And I would encourage you to do so. Friends, this is the thing that sets the, the course. It charts a course for the rest of Moses' story. If he hadn't embraced some measure of chaos, some measure of the unknown, some measure of God's purposes that he's not quite clear how they're going to play out, yet nothing else would have happened down the line. And, and some of us would say, but, you know, that's just... That's such a scary thing to do. And I'm right with you. Of course it's scary. The unknown is scary. Stepping into a future that we don't quite understand and saying yes to God's purposes when we don't have it all figured out, it is scary. But let me tell you this. First of all, everything significant starts off scary. 
everything significant starts off scary. It's scary, yeah. It's unknown, sure. But that's how wonderful stories begin. The wonderful purposes of God begin to be revealed in a time and in a place where initially they seem very scary. And here's the other thing I want to just tell you. I just want to quote Corey Ten Boom on this. She's been an inspiration to me. And she says, you know, she faced some pretty unexpected, unforeseen things and, and had to sort of follow just by faith as God was leading her. And she said this, sometimes we have to trust an unknown future to a known God. This is what Moses is doing. This is what we've had to do here in Columbia. It's what I encourage you to do where you say, Lord, here am I. Come what may, have what your way in my life. I want to be available courageously to your purposes. Friends, here's the thing. The, the alternative is scary too. Like having a closed heart to God's purposes, that, that's not the safe path. It's a scary path. It's a, it's a path where, where you're going to choose to be defined by your caution or sidelined by your fear. And I, I don't want that story for you. I would encourage you to be branded like the heroes of Scripture that we want to follow, like Moses, by saying, here am I. It opens the door to the rest. Now, I took a little bit more on that point, but I just want to cover three others. And I'm not going to uh, even read the verse, but seven verses later, six verses later, and in chapter 3 of Exodus, verse 11, the conversation between God and Moses has continued and Moses begins with, here am I, but as he starts to understand what God's calling him to, namely to go to Egypt and bring the people out of Egypt, God's people, Moses starts to get cold feet. He starts to have second thoughts. In fact, he's starting to realize the wheels are spinning and Moses is saying, like, I don't think I'm the guy cut out for the job. In fact, Here's the second phrase. He starts off with, here am I. But in, Mo in Exodus 3.11, Moses switches to, who am I? <laughs> who am I, God, he says, to do this? Who am I? In other words, I'm not cut out for that. I mean, really by saying, who am I? He's saying, I am not. I'm not enough. I, I don't have what it takes. And, and I want to just stop real quick and tell you, if you're like me, you've probably had those thoughts too. Like, I can't be, I can't help but be a little glad that Moses asks us, who am I, God? It's, it's not really a noble, brave question, but it's a very human and relatable question. I've definitely had it. You know, the Lord opens a new door, calls me into something when, um, whether coming to Columbia or planting a church or whatever it is, the kind of things he may be uh, inviting you into even this semester, even this week, even today. And you're kind of a little freaked out by it and you're wondering, well, who am I? For this, God, how am I, how's this going to work? How's this going to happen? I don't have what it takes. I'm not old enough. I'm not young enough. I'm not this. I'm not that. I'm not smart enough. I'm not this enough. We don't have the, the resources. We, we're, we're experts as people of coming up with a long list of reasons that we're not the right person for the job that God's called us to or for the opportunity he's inviting us into. And yet, here's God's response to Moses. And I love it for its simplicity. And I love it because it applies to you and to myself as well today. Here's what God says to Moses. Look, Moses, it's not about who you are. It's about who I am. And just to remind you, I am the great I am. <laughs> this isn't going to happen by your qualifications, Moses. I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to see this through. Friends, what a great, great word for you and I today. I mean, I, 
I really don't know what all you're walking into in this semester. Maybe this year feels like the biggest unknown of your life and you're just trying to figure out how the world even works and what the future holds and how your plans are going to work out and, and maybe you're trying to grapple with new ministry opportunities or God inviting you into new depths, new closeness with him, new relationship in your life. How is this going to happen? Friends, let me just say this. Don't sweat the details of how God's going to make his purposes come to pass. Trust him. You know, that old, that old song, Trust and Obey, I think that's the opportunity and the invitation that we have today. It's the example that Moses gives us because he thankfully works past his self-doubt and he's not paralyzed by who am I and he pursues this and he, he says yes out of faith. He, he, he continues and he does what God's asking of him and, and I just want to jump ahead and real quick tell you a little bit that this is not the end of the story. I wish it were just happily ever after. That'd be an easy thing to be able to uh, just kind of encourage you with that once you say, here am I, and you move past who am I, it's smooth sailing. But that's not exactly the case. When Moses gets to Egypt, he finds an audience, gets an audience with the Pharaoh. I don't know how he scored that. But when he gets in front of the Pharaoh and he expresses what God has uh, called him to do, the Pharaoh sort of laughs him out of the court. I mean, I can just picture him crossing his arms. <laughs> who do you think you are? And Moses is like, yeah, I asked that same thing of God, right? But uh uh, he laughs him out of the court and he says, listen, now your work is going to be harder. You, you want to, me to let you go? Forget it. Now you guys have to make bricks without straw. And I love what happens next because um, Moses responds just like I'm sure I probably would feel like responding, where he kind of shakes his fist at the sky, shakes his fist at heaven. And in Exodus 5.22, Moses asks this. He starts off with, here am I, and then he goes to, who am I, and moves past that. Now he's asking God, why did you send me? Why did you send me here? Like, I told you this wasn't going to work. Have you ever thought with God? Like, I knew this plan was not going to turn out like you said. And, and friends, you know, there have been moments here in Columbia where it's like, God, what are we doing here? Like, why, why did you send us? This is not how it was supposed to go. Maybe you're wondering the same thing. Why am I here? Why am I doing what am I doing? You know, here's the thing I want to tell you, friends, in this. We have this human tendency that when the first fruits are bitter, in other words, when the initial results aren't what we expected, we sometimes jump to this conclusion that either God is not in it or we misunderstood or maybe he's not sufficiently capable to, to follow through on his purposes. We start to doubt us. We start to doubt God. We start to doubt our call. We start to doubt whether we've heard him correctly. And let me just tell you this, friends. From the story of Moses, here's what we learn. That when the first fruits are bitter, we need to persevere. We need to see it through. That just because the first page or the first chapter isn't what we want, it doesn't mean that the story doesn't end in victory. That's exactly what happens in Moses' case. He pushes past this initial doubt. He pushes past the frustration. He pushes past the confusion and the questions and the, the whole, why did you send me phase? And thankfully, he doesn't throw in the towel. And I want to tell you that 10 chapters and 10 plagues later, this guy, Moses, is standing across the other side of the Red Sea with the rest of the Israelites. And for the first time, as the waters settle over 
earth's most powerful army and and there's peace and silence and he looks around and sees the rest of the people there. He's able to see with his eyes for the first time the promise that God has, uh, has, 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 has called him into, the purposes that God has called him into. It's no longer by faith, it's now by sight. And he's sitting there, and I love it, in Exodus 15, 1, Moses isn't saying, here am I. He's not wondering about who am I. He's not complaining, why did you send me now? He says, I will sing. <laughs> I will sing, is how he starts himself. I will sing. Let me just read this to you a little bit. I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. He has hurled both horse and rider into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. This is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. Yahweh is his name. I love it. I love it. This is a guy who's been through the ringer. He's been through questions and doubts and, and, and all of this journey, but at the end, he has seen God prove faithful. He has seen God prove strong, and he has had a front row seat to a significance beyond almost anything anyone could imagine. So friends, here's the challenge. Here's the invitation. Here's what we learn from Moses' story. Look, if you stay open to the purposes and the opportunities that God brings your way, unexpected as they may be, and if you push past the self-doubting paralysis of who am I and you trust God to be sufficient, if you get to that moment where you start to doubt how things are working out and you start to wonder about doubling back and, and giving it up and throwing the towel, if you push past, why did you send me? I believe that in due time and due course, you and I will be able to say, just like Moses, I will sing. <laughs> Friends, thank you so much for being able uh, to connect during these few moments. And I trust that as you pray for us, we'll pray for you and that we'll be able to sing together of the Lord's goodness and faithfulness. May the Lord bless you today.